been shot. For it seems now more certain than ever that the bloody experience of Vietnam is to end in a stalemate. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Any outlaw regime that has ties to terrorist groups and seeks or possesses weapons of mass destruction is a grave danger to the civilized world and will be confronted. If you're a new listener, just type in Pentagon tested gay bomb on Iraq. I said, General, I got myself a problem, General. It was a Jewish doctor. Hello, and welcome back to the Iraqi Horror Picture Show. I'm Alex. And I'm Reese. Um, uh, good, good episode of the newsroom. Yeah, Question this, mark. This one was okay. Yeah, I mean, we just okay. watched episode six. It's called Bullies. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it started with a lot of very, very Aaron Sorkin tendencies. Yeah. Um, like uh, there was a point where I literally yelled, "Nobody talks like this." Um, they but, kept bringing up Groucho Marx. Yeah, that was and, weird. Yeah, and funny. and Will goes like, "You shouldn't do Mark or, or uh, Groucho to um, to Mackenzie." It's like it's strange. He was raised on fucking vaudeville or something. Yeah, like it's uh, it's like a guy who was raised by his grandparents or something, and like doesn't know how to talk or make like modern references because he's got to be like in his what, like in his fifties. Oh, you know what? In, in, at this point. Oh, yeah, at that point in the show... Yeah, he would have been in his 50s, so... Uh, yeah, he's 61. He was born in 1961. He's not even old. Yeah, so he, like... Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. So he's, like, 10 years older than my dad. He's going to be referencing... He's going to be like, I remember when I was a kid and I listened to, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival when I was nine. Like, but no, he'll say, ah, don't you remember Red Skelton? Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's possible that maybe his fucked up alcoholic dad, which we find yeah. out about this episode... Um, like maybe he like made him watch a bunch of garbage TV from like the 40s and 50s or whatever but um, kind of find that hard to believe um, so uh, this episode is a Tony Soprano moment Will goes to therapy for the first time in four years uh, he finds out that the therapist is now no longer who he thought it was but that guy's son because the guy died um, very David Chase it, that was the good parts of this episode were the therapy sure. scenes and the therapist was like, even though Aaron Sorkin wrote him, which is a hindrance for like any character in any of these sh- this show, um, he's a good therapist. Like he asks a lot of the correct questions. He pushes well on the right things. Um, let's see. Uh, the therapist has one of those faces where he looks like he's going to cry all the time, though. Um, yeah. Not dissimilar from Newsroom Jim. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, like I don't. I don't know. That's this is a personal bias of mine, but that bothers me about people. No, maybe I maybe I need to go to therapy. No, I <laughs> they all look like the that picture of Donkey that's on Twitter where he's just do you know if no. you don't know the one, okay. <laughs> we'll we'll make it like the thumbnail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it'd probably be Osama bin Laden. But um Terry Crews yeah. also makes his first appearance in uh the series as um uh, Will's bodyguard and he rules uh, he's like he's the only character that can make the Sorkin jokes land I think oh that does rock 
I'm showing him the donkey picture. Do you think, do you think we could Photoshop that onto a song? Like, like make, oh, absolutely. I think I could make that happen. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but Terry Crews is kind of the only one who can play off the Aaron Sorkin jokes like they like they're normal, and that like that's a way that someone would normally tell a joke. And I think I think that's a huge testament to his ability. Oh, yeah. um, they triple the number of black people in this episode. You got Terry Crews. You've got a guy at the end. And you've got Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper. Yeah. That can't be his name. <laughs> um, we find out that Will has received a death threat, and so he's got increased anxiety um, because he changed the rules on their website's comment section. Uh, he thinks that um, if they're forced to use the internet um, without being anonymous, that they'll be um, they'll be more genuine. Uh, query whether that is the no. case even in the real internet where Re- receive people, some of death threat. Yeah, I was gonna say it, like people just fucking that and yeah. like people already. We were talking about liberals who will just say like the most vile shit in the world <laughs> yeah. because that's what people are saying in the comment section. Uh, they they said something about um, um, the guy. So we'll we'll talk about him more a little later. But they call him a double dipping Uncle Tom because yeah. he's. Uh, gay and black and supports Rick Santorum blast from the past there yeah um, it's yeah like like it's like um, I, I don't know if I should plug this bit I'm not going to um, <laughs> but yeah it's like the liberals who like call the cops on black people mm-hmm. for like grilling in the park or whatever yeah. like it is it is like that and it's those people exist and they're out there more than I would have thought but last year they were tweeting all about Stacey Abrams saved America yeah these right. are the same people exactly and now and now they're saying like the most awful things about <laughs> like, like racist things about Clarence Thomas on yes. Twitter this is the type of person we're talking about you don't have to go there under no circumstances do you have no. to be racist you don't have to hand it to Hitler you don't have to be racist no to make a point um roll credits we, we find out that um well, we get we get kind of a, a piece of the culture from the time. Um, they they use the phrase "creeping Islam" a couple times to refer to a, a Muslim community center that would be built near Ground Zero, the nine eleven mosque. Any of you old heads <laughs> will yeah. remember. Yeah, and if you are if you are a very young Zoomer or um, someone even younger than that, I don't know what that generation is called. Um, Oh, shit. There's a period. This period of time was rampant with Islamophobia. Um, there would be a lot of people that you wouldn't expect who said very awful things. Uh, some of those people would include uh, me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, that that is partially due to my upbringing. Uh, I mentioned there was a girl, uh, a woman from Israel, who came to my church as a child, oh, yeah. um, who talked about the Great Replacement Theory uh, in reference to Muslims. Uh, and said they're marrying white women uh, and they're producing larger families, which is why you should have more kids than Muslim people. Um, so if you want, if you want some background into my extremely broken psyche, that's a that's a piece there. This um, was this was like a I don't I won't call it a uniquely bad time in America. I guess it's really the same. It's shit standard fare. Yeah. yeah, it's a, a, a couple episodes. You had all the anti-immigration shit, uh, mm-hmm. which which is still here. Uh, and then all the, the Islamophobia, which is still here. Well, I mean, uh, right now uh, we're in the 2022 uh, like Senate uh, race, um, and I think a testament to the fact that the Islamophobia is not nearly as bad as it used to be is that there is a Sunni Muslim, Doctor Oz. <laughs> Doctor Oz, a Sunni Muslim, is running for office in Pennsylvania, and it is not a campaign issue. Um, I think I think really what that says is more that. 
Um, people aren't Islamophobic when the Islamic person is a conservative yeah. um, because Elon Omar certainly gets a lot of shit. Um, but I do think that similar similar thing with Herschel Walker. It's okay to be black as long as you yourself are anti-black. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, but I do. I like it is. I think especially with the like. I think the difference is that like John Fetterman's campaign would have been like he's a Muslim and like hey you know Western I guess that Pennsylvania progress. goes blue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, so then uh, yeah. during this interview where they're talking about the the mosque. Um, Will goes on this bizarre, like, like he makes some valid points about Christianity, but I would write off most of what he says is like an r slash atheism moment, uh, to the point that he blames the Reagan, JFK, and MLK assassinations on Christians. Reagan attempted, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Inshallah, should have, what are you... Uh, You're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's too late now, I guess. To, uh... and, and the other thing is that I would, personally, I would blame, at the very least, I would blame... The, the MLK and JFK assassinations on alcoholic Mormons and teetotaler Catholics. At the very least. Uh, like, Irish Catholics. But, yeah, like, that's... Sure, they did it, but it was the CIA and the FBI. It wasn't, like, white supremacists. Well, it was, but... Well, not, but not, not in the like way that, that they were yeah, interpreting like not, it. It wasn't the KKK, you know. It, it was um, some guy from Langley. Yeah, uh, and and the Reagan the Reagan assassination attempt is a weird one to do. Like, I can understand why you would be like JFK, even though that doesn't even make sense for like Lee Harvey Oswald. Not at all. Um, but I can understand why you would try to frame it that way. The Reagan one doesn't make sense. It was a man who wanted lesbian pussy. Like that's yeah. really you can ask him about it. He's still around. Him, he's still around. He's dude. He's selling T-shirts uh, right now. They're they're right? well designed, but I'm like man. Uh, don't want that on my credit card. I don't card think thing. I could get away with it. Not at all. Um, Not at all. Well, um, I made the one that was like him running for office. <laughs> That's really fucking funny. But my other thing is like, it would be like saying, man, you know, JFK, Martin Luther King, RFK, Reagan, it's all about gun control, man. I'm like, yeah. well, I feel like I mean, this this is somewhat incidental to the. It, it's like, yeah, I guess. Which, like, Again, the only one that I would put in that category is maybe would be Reagan. Reagan. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think there should have been less of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's he? What's he? Is it too late? Is it too soon? Is it? What's he gonna do? Yeah. What is Reagan going to do? do? Um, he he doesn't. Have, he's dead, and Peggy Noon is no longer sorting his jelly beans. No, and um, I'm not going to hell. Yeah. So I'm not even going to see him. <laughs> yeah, we'll never meet him. <laughs> um, so we also. Um, so now we're at a, at a part um, where the Fukushima reactor is um, overloading. So I don't know yeah, what it's called. Is, is you if again you have to be an old head because they really kind of glossed this one over. Even though this is like the main story. No, they kind of made it the B biggest, plot. Well, yeah, they made it the B plot. I, but I would say it's the biggest story. Like it's bigger than the other shit that we're absolutely, about. absolutely. But they, like the the reason that it was so big was because the re- oh, it was a meltdown. That's what it was. Because there was an earthquake, then a tsunami, and then the meltdown. And yeah, then which they, created a big cloud of radiation that they thought was going to hit California, I which know, is the only yeah. reason America. <laughs> yeah, but um, they found a, out. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the devil makes a very interesting joke in there. Too Sloan. Yeah, he says the Japanese have experience with radiation, so we should trust them more. Um, which we also found out that Sloan, uh, i.e. Olivia Munn, speaks fluent Japanese. Impressive. Yeah. Um, he was raised in Tokyo. 
Um, yeah. Um, and then we also find out that Maggie, this is a very, very big side note. Maggie thought LOL meant lots of love, and then Will knew that it meant, uh, like, laughing out loud. And she wrote it on a condolence card. Yeah, so, okay, thanks, Sorkin. Which was really her only appearance in the episode, so they could have wrote that one out. Yeah, I don't know why they even went into that. They're doing oppo, that's why. They're doing oppo and Will to see what the next Hatwood story is going to be. Um, so, and then they, they, okay, so the whole premise of the episode is that Sloan went too far in an interview, um, because she went over the head of a translator who was speaking Japanese because she also knew Japanese. And she um, revealed some off the record. She did reveal something off the record. And that's really the only moment she went too far, but they played it like she went too far just by, like, doing good journalism. That's not the first time that that happens this mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Or, well, it's not the only time, rather. Um... Uh, what I have written in my notes is Sloan went too far because she actually spoke Japanese. Okay, but now she mentioned the earlier off-the-record thing. Um, after this point, uh, so she, yeah, she mentions that the <laughs> reactor has melted down beyond a five, which was Five Mile Island in New York. Nine Mile Island? I don't fucking know. Five mile. Three mile. It's Three Mile Island. There we go. Not Eight Mile. Um, Mom's forgetting. Drop the lose yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny. Um... Yeah, and, and uh, a seven is Chernobyl. Uh, and then they did find out that it got to Chernobyl levels, which that's interesting to me considering that I don't think it affected anywhere in Japan that much at all. I think I think it, they're lucky because they have a lot of like yeah. ocean winds and shit, so they just blew it all off the island. As, as far as I know, yeah, I haven't. I mean, it's not it's not coming up. There's been a lot of Japanese coverage recently this year, of course, about you know the, <laughs> the most successful. A uh, hero. Yeah, that's a we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, all right. Um, Charlie, our our Charlie Skinner, our favorite, um, probably CTE Marine, comes in screaming and is like, "What the fuck did you do?" Yes. Um, and then he calls her. Madam Butterfly, along with a lot of other demeaning things. I, I knew, okay, I knew ex- instinctively that Madam Butterfly Absolutely. was racist. Absolutely. I looked it up. It's definitely racist. You can look it up, too. It's the name of a play written by, like, a French person. Yes. Um, which, like... Aaron Sorkin wrote this. It's like he delivered it through someone else, but this was in his mind. Yeah, like, that's that's the whole thing with a lot of this. Like, I think what's so troubling about this is that even if Will is not supposed to be, like, a vehicle for Aaron Sorkin's voice, although he does appear to be multiple times, Will is often saying some of the most vile things I've ever heard. Um, maybe not quite. I've heard a lot of vile things. But he, he says a lot of, like, really sexist yes. things. Vile uh, for someone who still gets to be the hero and is yeah, not an anti-hero. That's a good way to put it. And it's like, the first time he's been... Well, that was a good time to talk about this. Yeah. The first time that he's been considered wrong in the series, I would say. That's when he was the most right that he's maybe ever been. Well, not even that. I was going to talk about the other thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he, we're back at therapy with Will. We find out his dad is an alcohol, uh, was an abusive alcoholic. And Will hit his dad in the face with a bottle of scotch at 10 years old. That's fucked up. It explains why he's such an asshole. Um, uh, then you find you you we cut back to Will. He's in his office. Mac comes in and is like, "You never were gonna propose to me." Uh, um, and she, we, this is when I said she has the personality of like a manic small dog. I think that that's fair. Yes. Um, but Will pulls out an engagement ring, and we were like, "Oh, that's crazy!" Um, like it's crazy <laughs> that you thought that he wouldn't propose, and then they flipped it on us. No, they did. They flipped it hard because it turned out 
he bought it just to do that bit. Retroactively. <laughs> he did because she knew that she would find that out. Um, and the therapist is like, hey, man, what the fuck? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, that's crazy. Um, that Which is cor- that's a that's correct, correct assessment. Uh, and that is the wrongest he's been in the series. And that's the only time that anybody who's, I would say, a neutral party like the okay. therapist is, has been like, you're wrong. What the fuck is wrong with you? The therapist played the part of the viewer there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we cut back to Sloan. Uh, essentially, the news network has to keep her on because uh, she, like, is the only person there who speaks Japanese. <laughs> and then they admit that um, they the guy who she talked to admits that he was wrong and resigns. And she goes, we have to help him. A Japanese man's honor is at stake. And it's like, Jesus Christ. You have to hope she helped produce that episode. Otherwise, that's just like white man sorkin. Like, oh, like, it has to be. Like, now, let me tell you, I know something about the Japanese. Well, you know you know that she wouldn't say that because, as we said earlier, she grew up in Tokyo. Um, like, it's it just it sounds stupid, and it's more complicated than that. Plus, it's like... I, I know why that line wasn't changed, though, and yeah. it's because of the Aaron Sorkin, my my scripts are like symphonies, and if you miss a note, it's like fucking up the whole thing. Um, which, like, if he if someone said something like that to my, in my face, I think it would hurt them. Absolutely, and it's like, um, bro, it's like a lot of the a lot of the bars in the symphony are like on the recorder. It's like I think you can change the notes on the recorder. Yeah, I like for <laughs> real, um, or or even in the bass line, you can you can change something, you can yeah. make it more interesting or less interesting. Um, and then uh, we're, we're getting close to the end of the episode here. You might notice that we're getting close to the end of this one fast um, because <laughs> the next one is about Osama bin Laden's killing. But um, Gosh. Will is on TV <laughs> with a guy named Sutton Wall. The, um, which he's is, the gay black Republican that we mentioned earlier. Which is Aaron Sorkin's idea of the name a black Republican would have. He's like... Sudden wall. It's like, what the fuck is that even from? What is that a reference to? I really think it would just, like, that would fit better in, like, a modern Western than it would. I don't know. He also has a character named Sloan Sabbath, which sounds like a a stage name for, like, a member of Kiss. So, maybe we don't take it at face value. I think he's just doing a name generator on like he's, got, he's going on AOL with on his, his it's, the, it's the Wu-Tang name generator but for Aaron Sorkin <laughs> he's in TV. Uh, he's like, fuck. Uh, Will McAvoy. God damn. Guess I gotta write an Irishman. So, Sloan Sabbath. Because um, half, half of them are uh, alliterated names too. Yeah. But um, essentially uh, Will presses the guy really hard for supporting uh, Santorum um, Rick Santorum. I the, the side note here. Don't look that up on Urban Dictionary. The guitarist for um, uh, Bon Jovi's last name is also Santorum, and that has confused me for my entire life. That's that's got to be some distant relation. Yeah, I think so, and because his name is Richie Santorum, I think. Shut the fuck. Up. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I have to look this up. I could. What I'll do is if I'm wrong about this because I don't have my phone on me right now, I'll just put it on the screen. Um, but this guy is like supposed to be like a sympathetic character I guess I think that that's the idea I don't know why yeah he is now I don't agree with what the commenter said obviously but it's like to push 
this character, like, to support any Republican is pretty disgusting. But, like, Rex Santorum in particular as, like, a black gay person, yeah, I mean, you do have to ask some follow-ups on that. Because there are, at this time, there are, like, 47 different Republicans in the Senate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's a shit ton. Um, and, and, like you know, and they're all Tea Party guys, too. But yeah. I think... Yeah, it, it does take a special type of either like immorality or naivete that for you to support somebody who might not specifically go after your rights, but is going to go after everybody else's. Or like a special kind of like evil. Like maybe yeah. you're not naive, you just hate right. poor people that much. Yeah, for fuck's sake. Because Rick, um, Rick Santorum, um, man, you know, talk about somebody who is irrelevant now. Right. You know, was almost, I mean, probably not almost president, but was almost... He had a, a nominee. Yeah. Uh, now I don't even. I couldn't even tell you what the fuck he's doing. I don't know. No. Heroin. Heroin. Um, probably not. <laughs> but essentially, um, the implication here is that Will is like his dad for being the bully and pressing this guy um, because he he gets him to like the guy yells at him. He's like, "How dare you reduce me to my identity? How dare you?" He sounds like Viola fucking dead. He's yeah. like, "How dare you?" And it's like, you know, I like obviously the correct way to. Is like, no, I'm not. I'm saying it's an important point of like analysis for you, considering that you're supporting something like not to sound like Aaron Sorkin, but against your own interests. Yeah. Like, there is a person you're supporting someone who is literally adversarial to you and has compared homosexuality to bestiality or incest. Um, which he, by the way, did in a very public manner in a way that some of you younger folks will not recognize. No. Um, 2011 was really. A hundred years ago. <laughs> and, crazy. And that's the other thing is that like like the only place you'd find that kind of rhetoric now is about trans people. Oh, yeah. So we're not that far ahead, obviously. But like again, you'd be surprised who said bad things about gay people, including me. Um, just <laughs> and uh, including anyone who well, not anyone. I won't. I won't say this because that's a way to absolve yourself. Also including me. I was going to say anyone who was in high school at that period of the internet where Reddit was unmoderated. I was going to say, that's a different thing. Being like lightly homophobic is different than what I was referencing about myself. There was like, like growing up fundamentalist Christian, you were uh, encouraged to say the wild shit. I'm absolving you right now. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Father. Yeah. <laughs> Father, forgive me for I've sinned. I have said many slurs. Um, yeah, I don't know. They just, yeah, they, they imply that he, Will is like his father um, for going after this guy. And it really, it's good journalism because he gets the guy to say, he says, does Rick Santorum think you're fit to be a teacher? He says, no. And he says, we'll be right back. That's good, man. Good. You could even sway somebody with that shit. Like, it's it's very... One, that's very rare in and of itself. But it's rare that Aaron Sorkin could write something convincing. But it, <laughs> it's not rare that he would think that somehow he was the bad guy in this. Because like like we said during during the watching of this, the, the real crime was that he uh, made this black gay man feel bad, regardless yeah. of the yeah. fact the, that The real was. crime is that he made him feel uncomfortable and wasn't, like, I don't know, intersectional enough, which is, like, a misapplication Dude. of that. <laughs> Completely. Of, yeah, like, that kind of level of analysis. Like, it's it's just, it's... it's I'm going to say this. Uh, well, we should put a counter up for how many times I say this. It's what no 
materialism does to a motherfucker. Yeah. He, Aaron Sorkin has no understanding of how political theory works, and he also doesn't understand how like intersectional analysis or whatever works. He has no frame of analysis whatsoever, and so he just falls into the category and falls in line with all the other liberals who are are going to call the cops on black people if they're uncomfortable, yeah. or uh, but but also will be like, how dare you challenge? their non-white experience or whatever. You need to sit down and shut up. You yeah. need to take some notes. I didn't watch Black Panther. I sat with my ass down <laughs> and listened. Like, that type of person. And so, uh, I think that that's sort of what we're seeing from Aaron Sorkin here. Um, but overall... Yeah, it's... Uh, gosh. Just one last thing on this. Oh, um, I, I ima- imagine this. Else. Imagine this as a period piece. Like if Aaron Sorkin had wrote this as like Walter Cronkite feeling bad, he challenged this like black guy for George Wallace, and he's like, I just I don't know why I made him feel so bad about. Yeah, it. like it no, doesn't that's work. A good, that's a good way of putting it. It doesn't work in that situation, and it doesn't work in this one. It doesn't work in this one, and it won't. Like like if our society exists in twenty years, like you're not going to be like. Oh yeah, uh, I like you should feel bad for Rick Santorum because the the third iteration of the blowback podcast will have made something about Rick Santorum. Um, but also, one one more thing is that the out for Sloan uh, and to protect the guy's honor is essentially for her to lie and say she's not fluent in Japanese. Um, which what what I said when we were watching this was this is. Um, this is Sloane's, like, uh, all women are whores episode um, because she has to be demeaned by the Sorkin, uh, like, proxy. She has to be told that she's not as smart as anybody else. Um, even, like, like the other thing is that she's, she's like, like, halfway to being a journalist. You know, she, like, has a show about economics. Um, she's got different standards and practices to follow. And it was on, honestly, if you're going to say anyone was wrong in this situation, it's the company for putting her on TV unprepared. Absolutely. Um, and, Absolutely. and to make her feel bad over this, I think is, uh, I think is the wrong way to look at it. Um, but you know, uh, it's Aaron Sorkin, so it's all fucking wrong headed. So, uh, all right. Um, Reese, do you have anything else on this episode? No, the the real meat is uh, the the second half of this. We only gave ourselves five extra minutes with the normal time. Uh, good evening, America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the United States has completed an operation that uh, killed the Burger King. <laughs> um, all right. So we did the Osama bin Laden episode of Newsroom uh, very very briefly. Uh, the night starts with a party at Will McAvoy's house. Uh, they play Guitar Hero. It's honestly good writing from Aaron Sorkin. The characters are likable, much more likable than usual. They're funny. The jokes are funny. They're drinking. They're smoking. They're drinking. They're smoking weed. Uh, and Will is high the rest of the episode. Uh, gotta say, Jeff Daniels plays that pretty well. Uh, he's yeah. believably high. At uh, first, we thought he was trying to do drunk, and we were like, ah, he's fucked this up. He's fucked this and up. Then, and then, yeah, he, it ended up being totally right for being high. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and, and they mentioned the, the Rock, uh, the Rock's tweet about um, Osama's uh, death. We've got news that will shock the world. I'm proud to be an, uh, damn proud to be an American. Um, so, yeah, essentially, that's where the rest of the episode goes. Um but I think we're going to focus a little more about what it was like because uh, we were there. Uh, and uh, also, I, was in, I was in Pakistan. Yeah. 
I, I actually pulled the trigger, much like a, we'll lie the same way those Navy SEALs do about it, where they're like, no, I, I did it. And if I'd have been there, and it would have gone, it wouldn't have gone down like that. It wouldn't have gone down like that. Well, no, not like the Mark Wahlberg thing, but like every every yeah. member of Navy SEALs. They, they're the one that pulled the trigger. Yeah, they said they all wrote books about it. Um, so I, yeah, I think um, growing up uh, during the Iraq War, there's an interesting per, like a uh, perspective that can be provided. Um, I guess I can start. Yeah. What I remember was rumors about it, but also I walked into school that day and there the newspaper, the front page of the newspaper was on the board. There was a picture of Osama's face, um, the the classic one where yeah. his head is turned slightly and he's wearing the thing. Um, and I remember people saying that we didn't have his body because he got thrown into the ocean. Which um, yeah. That's yeah. I mean that's But as a kid that fucks you up, you're like, whoa. And, and that's the other thing, is that the guy, for me, what happened growing up was there was this kid, his name was Brandon, and he was a... He Let's was go. A, yeah. Uh, he was a uh, compulsive liar. Uh, and so <laughs> everything that came out of his mouth half the time was wrong, but this time he was the only kid who was allowed to stay up and watch the news. So everybody was like, what the fuck is he talking about? He's such a liar. And then the, the newspaper was on the board or whatever. So that's what I remember. Um, Reese, you yes. can go ahead because you seem to be more sentient to so, that in your life. This, to take you back, the night before this happened was the White House Correspondents' Dinner, which we haven't had. Well, Joe Biden did one, but it wasn't. It, you know, he's not. He's not funny on purpose. He's only funny on accident. So he kind of right. bombed. Uh, but we used to have that regularly, and so like that was the same dinner that Obama does all the Trump jokes, and I just happened to be watching the Correspondents' Dinner. I was like, man. That was wild. You know, it's like a weekend. You're a kid. You're late. You know, this was my idea of like, this is mature. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch the president do stand-up. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fucking adult. So I watched that, go to bed, still the weekend, next day, staying up at night still because the, the thing that was still in the news was that Trump was responding to all the Obama-like goofs on him, which were pretty good at the time. And then I remember they cut to emergency coverage and they keep cutting and then eventually we find out that Osama bin Laden has been killed and so it's like a very funny juxtaposition to me as a child I'm like man can you imagine getting owned like that by like you know this guy goofs on you all night it's your time to respond and then you find out he killed Osama <laughs> yeah uh, and then the, the next day you know we're at a restaurant it's on every TV it's like a sports bar but it, now it's all Osama bin Laden wall to wall coverage and really, at this time, as an 11-year-old, uh, I guess I just didn't, I didn't really get, you know, and I, I guess to some extent, maybe now I still don't. Your intuition was correct. Yeah. I, it just, and it didn't really affect any polling. You look back at it, like Obama got like a two-point bump. <laughs> like, it was like, people were like, ah, thank God, let's get the fuck Well, because, you know, if you re I do remember this much. When uh, it got to conservative news, instead of being like, Osama bin Laden was killed, they said Obama is taking credit for it. Yes. Um, and it's like, no, that's not what he's fucking doing. I heard, like, people unironically say, well, George Bush got him warmed up for him, and, Os and Obama just snuck in there and got it right at the end. Which like, is demonstrably not what <laughs> not happened. true. Joe, old Bush passed on an opportunity. Some you know, some would say he did he did set him up for it in a very long long term way. Yeah, know, so. by not, by deliberately not having him killed immediately. <laughs> yes. Um, 
or at least get knowing him. The, the real old heads will remember we almost got Osama in Tora Bora uh, mm-hmm. the year after 9-11. And then uh, they, the, the Bush people, if you can believe it, just goofed that one up. And we, <laughs> he was gone for nine years. What a surprise. Oh, what a surprise. Um, yeah, so um, really quickly, I forgot to say one thing. The driving force of this episode oh, yeah. is about when to report um, Os- that Osama has been killed and I can respect that to a degree but um, for one thing in the episode they're 20 minutes late but yeah. for a good chunk of people John Cena was the first person to announce uh, uh, Osama's death and I'm going to drop that in right here I walk out here every night with hustle loyalty and respect on my sleeve that is a credo I have adopted from the men and women who defend the freedom of this country. We have caught and compromised to a permanent end Osama bin Laden. And, you know, as a WWE fan myself, uh, or pr- previously in a different life, that would have been fucking baller. Can you imagine? That would be so you got, sick, You dude. got Mountain Dew on your lips, you know, the, oh, the man. You, you hear John Cena's music come on, the music cuts, he goes, I've got news for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And it was a good speech. <laughs> dude, a pretty John, good delivery. John yeah. Cena is, like, an uh, almost unfortunately likable person. Yeah. He is... I like like he's funny on that Peacemaker show on HBO. Oh yeah, like he does a great job. But um, um they they kind of lay on the the patriotism on this. They one. lay it on thick for sure. Yeah, they're they're um, like flat. They're on the plane. They do the plane speech. They do the oh they do they do the plane speech. Cooper, hold on. You can keep talking. Yeah. Steal my dog's carrying the toy. So yeah, they do the plane speech, and if you're familiar with the newsroom, then you'll know this. This is when. Don the Devil, uh, he, he like anyone, he's stuck. He's stuck on the taxiway. Can't find a gate, but they got to break the news, and so it's it's clear they're not going to get off the plane. So he's causing a ruckus, and the implication now I get was the reason that the stewardess didn't want him to do this was because he looked like a hijacker, and then she calls out the captain to settle Don the Devil down, and. You get a flash of their United Airlines badges, and they're all very serious. Oh, it makes me want to myself. Like, like, and I say this without, I am going to say it. Yeah. I, without any animus in my heart, this is the gayest thing in the world. Oh, like, it's good. so stupid. It, like, it's they're laying just, it on here. There's, there's uh, like, you know, there's nothing you can say other than that. Like, it's, it is the dumbest, like, like, ugh. Uh, fucking shit, man! It like like it's all, it's done with the same reverence as if the guy was in the military or like he he He's was a, a pilot or he was like an FDNY guy like which one of the cameramen was because he throws on he his throws hat on his hat right and it's like man how did how the fuck do you end up with that job well how do you, how do you end up working in the in a newsroom after being a firefighter on nine eleven and Neil's whatever? girlfriend who makes an appearance in this. 
She's like, yeah, my dad, uh, he was in, like, the North Tower. And I'm like, Jesus, everyone here is a fucking... <laughs> if she was in the one that was, like, blown up. <laughs> but uh, I don't remember which one that is. Can't tell you. Jet fuel? No, we're not doing that. That's not the jet fuel. That's not, it's no. The one, it's the one that blew up that didn't get hit by a plane. Oh, yeah, yeah. The World Trade Center number seven. Thank you. Yeah. I thought it was Tower 7, but I didn't want to yeah. say it because I was not yeah. confident. No. Uh, if this was a, a different show, maybe Alex Jones, we would have had someone all know what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, I need to work on my Alex Jones. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you, the globalists are out here telling you that Tower 7 was not taken down with detonation charges. But let me tell you this. <laughs> We've got old... Dev Patel's newsroom girlfriend says that her father was in Tower 7. Uh, let me tell you what. That was not hit by a plane, folks. It was a deep state. There were pedophile vampires living in that building. If you had ultra male vitality brain supplement, <laughs> you simply wouldn't have died. You simply wouldn't have. You simply wouldn't have, yeah. Um, um, but uh, every, everyone in here has a 9-11 connection, and so Don the Devil... And they're, they're, to be fair, they it's are New York, in New York, which is yeah, much more likely, yeah. But he, he says, sir, you know, after the, he looks at their badges and he's like, ah, fuck, these guys are, these guys are heroes, they fly the plane. Uh, he says, listen... I wanted you all to be the first to know that we killed Osama for you. For you. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, it's so, like, saccharine. They give each other a big hearty handshake afterwards. And, they start and, uh, and he calls, like, he, he in, while he's talking about this, he calls the, the, like, flight attendant, like, a dumb bitch or something. Yeah. He's like the crazy fucking flight attendant lady. Yeah. I wanted to tell you too. Yeah, I wanted to tell you too. And it, it, yeah, it's stupid and uh, goofy as shit. Yeah. I don't know. There's not really much to say about the episode. No, it's 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 really it's just all about 9/11 and Osama itself. It's really just what it draws because it's you don't need to watch the episode to know what happened. No, and you've probably already seen if if you're watching or listening to this, you've probably already know about this scene yeah. in Newsroom. We were talking about it. It is the most iconic scene in Newsroom other than the first episode where he yells at the girl at Northwestern. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's worth thinking about um, now why nobody talks about <laughs> Osama bin Laden being killed anymore. At um, all. No, like no, no relevancy. It's not in the zeitgeist. It's like... Yeah. It's dated. Like, it's safe to say that I haven't thought about this, but, like, twice since it happened. It's been a long time. It's been 11 it, years. It comes up, like, on the... The last time I heard it, like, in a regular way was in 2016 on the campaign trail because Hillary uh, made the point of, he wants to say we're weak on national security. Well, I was in the room and we took out Osama bin Laden. And yeah. then I never heard it again. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, for one thing, I think it's worth noting that at that point in the Iraq war and in <laughs> Afghanistan, for one thing, there were not, it was Tora Bora, and there was the time that Pakistan, right after 9-11, was like, we fucking know where he is, we will go arrest Osama bin Laden for you. But the fact of the matter is that Iraq, the Iraq war was something very carefully engineered, yeah. um, because and we wanted to do it so that we could juice the military industrial complex. There's really it's really not more complicated. Than and there that. was some there was some funniness with some Halliburton money from our old vice president with two hearts. Yeah, I mean there's it's it really is 
like it's it's not much more complicated than we wanted a war we wanted yeah. it because it's good for us monetarily uh, and we didn't actually want to kill Osama bin Laden no. I'm sure we were confident that we could do it later um, to make everybody feel good about well, it it wasn't a priority the priority was priority. establishing the uh, the oil wells and the expansion of uh, power in the Middle East and yeah exactly and and like going after Saddam and yeah, establishing a foothold and yeah. making it easier for us to get oil. Circle, because, up, circle up Iran for the next big one. We'll yeah, see when we get it. Right, exactly. And when if we're going to be honest with ourselves here, if we were going to attack who was responsible for um, 9-11 other we, than... Then the boys in Langley. Yeah. Then we'd go... <laughs> well, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Probably, that, that but might also, be too hot. No, I think you, well, you're probably right. But I think <laughs> I think that it's... Uh, like, we would have attacked Osama. We would have yeah. taken Pakistan up on it. Yeah. Uh, and we probably would have tortured the shit out of him and everybody would have yeah. been fine about it so we could have him right away. We maybe would have asked uh, King uh, Faisal or whoever was the king of Saudi Arabia at the time. So, oh, any question? Yeah, and and here, here's the other thing. Yeah, we would have we would have gone after Saudi Arabia, but the yeah. fact is that our relationship with them is too mutually beneficial. I don't even know about mutual. Not anymore. It, it was. It's like I hate I hate to do, be the guy, but like you know, watch Fahrenheit 9/11. Like it's it's it is crazy. You know, every flight in America is grounded after 9-11, except for like a dozen that gets out Osama bin Laden's like immediate family members living in America. And they're like, yeah, well, we had to let him go. We cleared him, it was fine. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's like, right. well, what does that say? And, and we do, that's the other thing, is that we do know that like Bush would have been aware of this yeah. um, if like he had read the security briefings or whatever. He wasn't and on vacation 42% of the first I don't think we thought we were going to get into like 9-11 conspiracism on this one. I don't think Bush did 9-11. No. I think his administration let it happen. And Reese, I'll let you say it because yeah. otherwise I'll just be summarizing your words. Well, I think like on George Bush's part, there's a clear part of negligence because this motherfucker was on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> it was not reading his you report. Th- you thought the Trump golf thing was bad. But like this motherfucker is like... Cutting brush has never owned a ranch. Sold the ranch after he left president. He's just goofing around. But then there are like, you know, obviously some more sinister, evil figures in there. Your Donald Rumsfeld, your Paul Wolfowitz, your Dick Cheney's Condoleezza, who oh, definitely Jesus, Condoleezza, who definitely were reading the security reports and who did have a foreign policy vision and which was pretty well established. Dick Cheney's been around since the since the seventies. He was in the Nixon White House. Yeah, and and not to and so was Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld and Wolfowitz were on uh, George H. W. Bush's yeah. uh, quote unquote B team while he was in charge of the CIA to push out incorrect misinformation to allow for us to attack uh, countries that were against our interests. You have to imagine that these ghoulish people probably, like I said, were reading the reports yeah. and decided that this event maybe it wouldn't happen, but if it did. Maybe it's not so bad for the for the things we want to do later. Yeah, and I mean, I, I really do think that, like, like it is it is curious that guys Cooper move. It's like guys with an intelligence background. You really don't think that they were intentionally setting up for this kind of thing, yeah. or at the very least, like passively allowing what they knew was inevitable to happen. Like, I really don't believe that. Well, you said this too. I think if Al Gore was president, it wouldn't have happened. Probably not. I, and I think <laughs> yeah. that's because. Um, I think that's because 
you had these former CIA guys with HW um, in charge. Um, I think they had a vision they wanted to accomplish. Oh, I think yeah. they probably knew about this or something like that. There was something big coming well in advance because like there's really honestly not a reason for the shocking brutality of, uh, <laughs> no, of Bobby not. Bush in the Middle East. Uh, like like one one option would be that he just was tired of being called a pansy about it, and I think that that's possible. But I think he was a wasp, a lot of pride. He was a wasp with a lot of pride, but I, and I think that maybe that's part of it. But I think for, to some extent they were like, well, we can instigate someone else to spit first, yeah. uh, and then we can we, they'll spit on us. Just this is just like Pearl Harbor. Yeah. They'll spit on us, and we will rock their world. Um, because. At this point that we kill Osama bin Laden, and I think you were about to say this, uh, about a million people, give or take, a died Correct. in the war on terror. <laughs> sure. Like, like, I would say probably between Afghanistan and Iraq, more than a million people had died. Because sure. about a million people died in each war. Yeah. Um, not to mention the million people that died in Iraq and the Persian Gulf War. And there's a lot of displacement. I mean, you know, these, these countries have been completely changed. And I... Well, to think also about why this doesn't come up so much anymore any, anyway is every week or so we have a 9-11 type event with this pandemic. And it's I like we've become completely desensitized. Yeah, we don't get up to death, yeah. And I think you mentioned that these countries have been changed. The psyche of the people there is probably permanently damaged because of the way we went oh, about fighting those wars. We, we literally, like, like, we were fighting probably the most effective terrorist campaign during the war on terror because people were standing around. They had no idea. Like, that's, that's why the drones were so, you could call them effective, but they weren't effective in doing anything else other than creating a repeating cycle, uh, like a feedback loop of more quote-unquote terrorists even though they were not only just redu like resisting occupation of their homeland, like they're no different than the IRA or even the American revolutionaries um, because they were not even related to 9-11. But they don't know when some fucking, like, like something incomprehensible to humans a hundred years ago would come screaming out of the sky and kill all the women and children and animals in their village. Uh, and then it's like, what are the young men to do? Even the young women, like, what are they supposed to do other than... Go, go after the people they know for a fact drop this horrible weapon on them that probably set people on fire while they were alive. Like, it's, it's extraordinarily brutal what we did over there. But you don't get any of that in the episode. Uh, of course. Yeah, it's, well, uh, it's, it's, very, it's very much... I don't know. There's not even a question of, well, maybe we should have got him and put him to justice, whatever that means. Because at least Saddam Hussein went on trial. I mean, it wasn't... You know, well, listen. You it, know, well, you know, he, if listen, you want to call it that. Yeah, I mean, Saddam Hussein is no uh, no peacemaker, obviously. Uh, committed some war crimes, but at the very least, none he, had that a, he had a trial. None that we didn't allow him passively to commit either. Oh, that, well, yeah, especially in the, in the 90s. In the 90s. In the 90s. Um, but I think that... I think that one thing, too, about that is that that was sort of the posture of the Obama administration was... Oh, yeah. were, like... We're going to eliminate the, like, well, for one thing, uh, he ran on closing Gitmo, Guantanamo Bay, uh, and... Congress stopped him, and then he didn't challenge it. He, he didn't challenge like, it. We're not going to do and any executive authority on it. <laughs> we're just going to let it go. And then he didn't put that many people in Guantanamo Bay, because to avoid the bad PR of Guantanamo Bay, he just killed them. Because uh, we can't have political prisoners if we've just got uh, yeah, you just dead soldiers on the battlefield. 
You just murder them on the spot. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's the thing, too. Like, um, I have some friends who don't believe Obama was a war criminal that should be treated about the same as George Bush. And I, one, obviously find that ridiculous because... Look at look at the record. Look at the record. <laughs> look at the record. It's like, the same he, foreign policy. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing that... Um, uh, Chelsea Manning got arrested and thrown in jail and tortured for uh, leaking uh, how wasn't it how bad the, the yeah. civilian casualties were? I want I want to say that she this may not be right, but I want to say that she was the one that leaked that video of our Black Hawk helicopter shooting those cameramen in the way. I think I think you're right about that. And then another person went to jail not even three years ago yeah. because they were they revealed that. Uh, 50% of uh, Obama's drone strikes had civilian casualties. Because of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> and the other thing is that if you're going to, like, here's the thing. If you're going to blame George Bush for, or either of them, for, for what happened in any of the wars, uh, and, and, you know, that's objectively reasonable, but then you're going to say maybe Obama didn't know, like, every <laughs> drone strike that was happening. Personally, I think that's ludicrous. He's the commander-in-chief just as much as the other ones. He was making jokes about him at the White House correspondence there. He's like, oh, I hear the Jonas Brothers are here. I want you to know, in case uh, Malia and Sasha are watching, I got two words for you. Predator drone. Yeah. Why do you make a First of all, that's a crazy joke to make. When oh, absurd. It's like... In the abstract, I guess it's funny, but it's like the subtext of that is like, yeah, I've signed off on killing people. Some of them, of course. Yeah, <laughs> and like like he droned a wedding. Like children were dying in his, the drone strikes that he authorized repeatedly with, with like shocking regularity, fifty percent of the time. Like, like for one thing, if if you're listening to this and and you're like a progressive, um, sorry, probably you are. <laughs> probably you are. Um, but like, like if you think that it's easy to condemn the Israeli government for their actions in in Palestine um, and the IDF for killing children on on an extremely regular basis, they have like guns mounted on cameras right now. That um, probably right now, what would you say? Three months ago, they killed an American journalist in front oh. of God and everybody. Yeah. lied about it and then admitted to it. And then disrupted the funeral. And it's yeah, like, ah, it's they disrupted bad. the funeral. They beat the people with ball bearers. Like, like if you think that like that's grotesque and horrible, to be honest with you, that's nothing compared yeah. to what we did in these other countries. And the the best example, I think, like the least objectionable example you could give of like the horror of all this foreign policy is, it was a kid. His name was Abdul Rahman Alawaki. He was. An American citizen, but his dad was Anwar Alawaki from Al Qaeda, and he was an American citizen. He was born here, but more importantly, he was a child. He was not a terrorist. Blown up in the drone strike, and the uh, White House response at the time was, "I shit you not." Well, he should have had better parents. Well, that's not even um, shit. I was listening to something earlier. Um, uh, he's a House representative from New York. It doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't matter. Um, no name Mothman. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Somebody went to him and said, why aren't you sponsoring a bill condemning Israel for its imprisonment of Palestinian children? And he said, verbatim, children can be terrorists too. Like, that is our position. Like, have you seen American Sniper? He fucking... Bradley Cooper in the Clint Eastwood movie just shoots a child. She's like, she's not swinging her arm. She's carrying something. He kills non-combatants regularly. And the guy who did that... What what the fuck is the guy's Chris name? Chris Kyle. Chris Kyle. Was, was himself 
killed by a, another soldier in yeah. an ironic twist of fate. At a gun range, at a because gun range. for some reason he thought it was a good idea to have a PTSD <laughs> group at a gun range. When fireworks set that shit off, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, for real, like, it's... That guy was a monster, and it, maybe it was because he convinced himself that what he was doing is okay. To me, that doesn't really matter. Um, it's still, like... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you want to... I don't know. If, if you... I don't know why I'm making this, like, a prescriptive thing. The episode brings up a lot of feelings. It does bring up a lot of feelings. I just, like... I find it so difficult when Americans uh, are, like... Are, are thinking that anything we did over there was justified... To be quite frank with you, nothing we did was justified. <laughs> if it was Saudi Arabia, that would be one thing. And yeah. I still I still would be skeptical. Yeah. I still would be like, hey, what the fuck? We should be careful about who we're killing. But at least you're attacking the country whose government was responsible. Saddam Hussein didn't have anything to do with, with anything that led to the fucking uh, Persian Gulf War, even. No. Like, like it was he was baited into it by Poppy Bush. And then he didn't have anything to do with... with uh, the, the, the 9-11 either. In fact, he thought that we would have a closer relationship because he wanted to go after Saudi Arabia. He's like, I, I, hate, these, uh, I hate these Sunnis as well. Yeah, like exactly. He, he knew exactly who he wanted to attack. Yeah. And so we had the same enemy. So his posture was that we would be in the same place. And he was wrong. He made a fatal miscalculation to the point that he was fucking hung in a public square. Afghanistan had nothing to do with this shit other than that it's adjacent to Pakistan, if I remember my geography and, correctly. And, and as well, perhaps more relevantly, I know what you're saying, but, but recent Alex, the Taliban is in Afghanistan. The Taliban, as you, as you may remember, or perhaps not, was originally the Mujahideen, a uh, Islamic force that was created to fight the, the Soviet Russians. invasion of Afghanistan, which was financed in very large part, financed and trained by the administrations of Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan, and who was a leader in the Mujahideen at the time? Osama Bin fucking Laden. Bin Laden. Right. So it's like, this is, it's like, it's, it's, a wor- it's worse than... It's worse on so many levels when you just break it apart because it's like this is a self-created. Oh, yeah, I mean, all of it is. Like yeah. that's the whole thing is that that like we are living in it. Like like every war that we've participated in since World War II was created on purpose yeah. by the American government. You could argue that Korea, created on purpose, lost on accident. <laughs> yeah, like you could you could argue that Korea was. Started by both us and Russia, but I would not make that argument personally. I don't think you can really back that up with a lot of arguments. But certainly, Vietnam was started to be a false flag. Uh, everything we did in South America was simply like, like. What, first of all, we had already been oppressing everyone in South and Central America. Uh, as a result, uh, like because of our uh, all of our suppressive uh, like business interests there, they became socialists or communists. Because, uh, to be honest with you, that's a logical conclusion. Yeah. Um, e- even if you're a liberal, I think that that's an easy conclusion to come to. Yeah, if you see the last hundred years of his- 200 years of history in Latin America, why wouldn't they be like yeah, that? Why, why wouldn't they go, like, like, even if you think that's over the line, like, if you think that they went too far, yeah. do you blame them? Yeah. Um, and then you understand s- how they got there. And then we saw that happening, and then we murdered them there. We did that in Chile, we did that in Colombia, we did it in Peru, I believe. Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Honduras, yeah. Guatemala, um, like it's it's absurd. Like like, and we're not just talking about Ronald Reagan here, by the way. Like like, when when people are always like, oh, we've just now gotten into a bad time in history. The the violence of the United States 
Um, even without all of the domestic violence at home that we participated in, the, the most extreme foreign violence of the United States started with Harry Truman with the dropping of the nuclear bombs and continued with Eisenhower. And then it was just escalations from there on out. I mean, setting people, entire towns and cities on fire in Cambodia yeah. and in Vietnam and in Laos. And when, by the way, when Nixon ran on getting out of the war in Vietnam and then started the like the a very extremely again like, ex- I, I, like this is to the point that you don't even really have words to describe what happened over there. But it's extraordinarily brutal, as I've said repeatedly, to the point that like like. Really, the, at the same time, though, because we were fighting with anti-communist hysteria, you really only had like punk punk bands like the Dead Kennedys. Yeah. Like that's the only lasting. Aaron Sorkin wasn't listening to any of it, which is of why none not. of it appeared in the episode. And I I get like implicitly, well, you don't want to have any nuance in the nine eleven episode in the Osama episode, but maybe you do. Maybe you do. <laughs> maybe you do. It's also like. Like, Maybe that's the one episode you want fucking new on. To, to be quite honest with you, Osama bin Laden was obviously a horrible guy. Yeah, like, he still did do 9-11. He still did do 9-11. <laughs> so. And, he, and, and uh, to be quite honest with you, I don't know that much about what the Mujahideen actually did except fight Russians, but I'm yeah. quite certain that they also did some... They were, they were still right-wing religious fundamentalists. Right. Like, I'm sure... Like, Well, actually, they did bring uh, the, that right-wing religious fundamentalist government into power in the Middle East. Which is still there. And it's Afghanistan, so the Afghanistan is still run by, well, it wasn't, well, I guess always was. But now the Taliban is certainly. Certainly. Right, yeah. certainly <laughs> Iran and Iraq weren't that way until no. we meddled in their certainly. policy. Certainly. Uh, and it's, yeah, like, if you want to, if you want to say, like, like, so Bill Clinton did this routinely. Bill Clinton would be like, it was the Crusades or it was the fact that, like, um, uh, like, like, there's always unrest in the Middle East, and it's because the Jews and the Muslims hate each other, or whatever. It's not that. There was a period <laughs> of peace in the Middle East in the eight, well, prior to up the eighties and nineties. Like, like the sixties yeah. was very peaceful in the Middle East up until you know we until started. The trouble. Well, Israel. <laughs> um, I gotta get into it. Yeah, that's for another time. But uh, like, like until like the Seven Days War or whatever. But it was relatively peaceful there. Um, and then we were deposing leaders all over the place. Not, a, not only was it relatively peaceful, they had secular governments. But all the same, just to, to begin wrapping this up. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Sorkin's foreign, foreign policy politics are that of... He may not know this, but they are not dissimilar from the people he seems to hate the most. <laughs> no, they're, they're effectively identical they're to pretty, They're pretty identical. Uh, and that comes out a lot through the episode. Although, I, I get it. You know, he's he's not quite a boomer. We found out he was born in 1961. So, if he was a little older, his like formative event would be like Kennedy getting murked in Dallas. But instead... As, as, a, as a child. As yeah. a child. But instead, it's... Uh, I guess it's 9-11. And he's responding to it the way that, like, oh, he's Gen X. Yeah, this makes sense for him to be a Gen Xer and have this kind of. Is he a Gen? Does that count as Gen X? I would think it. I, I think that counts as a boomer, maybe. It's he's a, he's at the very least a very young boomer. He's an old Gen Xer. Well, think. Okay, let me ask you this: What is Obama? I don't know how old Obama is. But in, instinctually, what would you I would say Obama's Gen X. When was he born? Same year as Aaron Sorkin. Okay, well that's fine then. We'll call him Gen X. Yeah, right. He's that's still all right. It's still like 
nine years older than my father. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. and like that, and he's Gen X for sure. He's yeah. but he's within the solid block of what I would call. He, he's the Clash Gen X, you know. It's like, ah, like, yeah, I don't know. I well, I'll look it up, and we won't talk about it on here. Um, but yeah, I do think. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's he's not capable of nuance because no. he he probably thinks Reagan was a good president. Yeah. Um. So just not for any policy reason, although it probably subtly he does think that. But he's like because of the love he inspired in America. Why can't we get back to that patriotism? The patriotism. He probably exactly. would say the phrase. I miss the America we were the day after 9-11, which oh. is the most grim time in this history. I remember, I miss when we were all afraid. <laughs> I miss when we were all fucking terrified. I, and, I that, like, and that, like, like my my mother, who was pregnant with my brother at the time, was worried about touching the mail because there would be anthrax or ricin in it. Like, I, I miss when we used to just beat up Sikhs. Think yeah. of that. <laughs> Muslims. But uh, that's a... Uh, that's the episode where That's Osama episode. dies at the end. Yeah. I know we didn't talk about it very much, but yeah, you're right. It does. It brings out a lot of emotions <laughs> yeah. for a person who grew up during that time, and then probably like for the most part retroactively found out that all of it was bullshit, yeah. and that none of what we were doing was justified morally or made sense. Like a second way. Like I, uh, I'll, 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 I guess I'll finish up with this. Yeah. When I was like 16, I went to New York City for the first time, and. You know, my parents are conservative. We went to the 9-11 Museum. You gotta go to Grand Zero. They fucking indoctrinate you there. They make you want to go to war. Like, that museum, I'm not even joking, is, like, is set up so that the logical consequence of you going to it should be enlisting in the army and going to fight whoever is in the Middle East right now that we're fighting. They, they engineer it around, like, like uh, anti-Muslim hate. And, and... Like, I, I just want to say it's a very stark contrast from the way the Japanese have made the museum <laughs> yeah. at Hiroshima, where my buddy went, and their whole thing is not even spiteful that they've had a nuke dropped on them. They're like, listen, we kind of understand we were pieces of shit at the time, but please, for the love of God, never drop it again. Nobody should ever drop one again. This is what happened to us. Learn from our human suffering that this should never happen again. And that's the conclusion of the museum. The 9-11 one, they have the rollout shit. There's music playing in the background. They have a melted goddamn fire truck there. They're like, look at all the search they, dogs who died. They got the cross beam made of the, made of the tower material. And, and to, it's built in the basement of like the World Trade Center. It's, it's intense. Uh, yeah, it's incredibly fucked up. Um, so you, if you want to see a 9-11 memorial, I recommend the Pentagon one because that one is a normal one. It's a series of little statues where it's like a little plane wing when it points out to the Potomac. Those are people who died on the plane. And when the plane wing points inward towards the Pentagon, it's people who died in the Pentagon. It's very peaceful. There's a lot of sand. And they don't try to convince you that it's okay to go to war in any country you feel like. It's just to accomplish some former sinister foreign policy goal. Kind of ironic that it's at the Pentagon. but yeah, It is ironic, another, yes. Another brief side note is that there's also a 9-11 memorial at the Crazy Horse uh, statue in South Dakota. Because, <laughs> hey, I, I'll say, Native American people are very kind. They're very kind. They're very, they're very charitable to the United States as a body to some extent for that kind of shit. I like, like honestly, 
that that's an act of sympathy that I would, <laughs> yeah, I would that never have expected. Undeserved, but undeserved, appreciated. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's this that. has been your Iraqi horror picture show, and we'll see you next time.